Hi, thanks for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I've been working with food businesses for 35 years and now I'm taking you behind the scenes in my business to connect with some of the great specialists, entrepreneurs and producers that we work with to hear how we create strategies that inspire business and how we help them create the perfect teams for specific projects and for their business as it grows so that they can get great results faster and much more cost effectively with our support than they would on their own. I truly believe the food industry in the UK has some of the best people in it and I'm lucky enough to know and work with the very best of those. Let me introduce you to Scott Goodfellow, the joint MD of Wilkin and Sons, which is often referred to as Tiptree, the jam and condiments maker. They're based in Essex in the village of Tiptree. More recently, the business has expanded into gin liqueurs made with their fruits, acquired and opened tea rooms in, in and around Essex and Suffolk, and created a homewares range of candles, aprons and other products inspired by their jams. Scott talks about growing up in Dundee and how he thought he may follow his sister into the police force. But in fact, he began studying engineering and then embarked on a graduate training programme with Unilever, followed by some years as a shift manager at Mars, making some of our favourite confectionery. He's been at Wilkins now for 14 years, so he's a relative newcomer compared to some of the staff, as you will hear. Scott says a business can never have enough talent, and he loves to recruit people who will stretch them as a business and push them to see things differently. I learned that their lime marmalade makes a very good mojito, something that I must put to the test. All in the interests of research, of course. Wilkins and Sons have held the Royal Warrant since 1911, so Scott says that his job is jam maker to the Queen. Their products are sold in over 70 countries around the world. The business is a great culture, but is inspiring in how open and inclusive they are to hearing other people's ideas and thoughts. As you'll hear, that's how some of their great products have come to be made. It's an inspiring listen, but it is one that may leave you wanting jam, gin, sriracha mayonnaise and a cocktail or two. Let me introduce you to Scott. So how do you describe what your job is to other people when they ask what you do? Well, when people ask me what I do, I have the pleasure to tell them that I make jam uh, for the Queen. That's a, that's a good way to describe it, <laughs> it's not, isn't it's it? It's not bad. I did actually meet the Queen oh, a few years back. She visited when? the jam factory. Of course. And we got the Royal Warrant to supply the royal family with jam since uh, 1911. So she came to celebrate um, our anniversary. It's fantastic. So, of course, that's amazing, isn't it, to have had that warrant for more than 100 years. Yeah. So, It's also it's an unusual warrant because we have a warrant as manufacturers of tip three products. So most warrants are for something very specific, like maybe for uh, condiments or for swords or for, you know, uh-huh. saddle. For one specific yeah, thing. Uh-huh. One specific thing. But um, we started making tomato ketchup a few years back. Yes. And we supplied tomato ketchup to the royal household. And so we, our warrant was expanded to include tip tree products. And anything we, anything we bring out, anything new, we always send a case to the, the royal chef. So does that mean they're getting the gin then? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, did they widen that warrant so that they could get the gin? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? I um, I, I had friends um, 
younger, my nephew and some family and things for lunch on Sunday and I had done Sunday brunch. Fortunately, I had worked out that they had all been out the night before and would need some sort of sustenance. Oh, I see. And yeah. um, my my friend's daughter said, and I don't suppose you've got ketchup, do you? And I said, yes, I do. And I pulled out a bottle of your ketchup and she said, oh, I might have known it would be posh ketchup. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> one of the best. So I should have said to her, the Queen gets that one. Yeah. yeah, I should have known that one. Good stuff. So tell me how you came to be making jam for the Queen. What, what, when you were at school, what were you thinking you were going to do? Well, I was brought up in Dundee near the berry fields in Blair Gowrie right. in Aylith. So I knew from an age of about two that I wanted to make jam for the Queen. All right. <laughs> not, not, not at all. That would be good. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not organized. at all. organised? No, no, I had um, I had no idea. So when, when I was growing up uh, in Dundee, I had literally no idea what I fancied doing. Uh, my sister was a policewoman, and for a long time, you know, when I was younger, I thought I'd join the police. I mean, I was six foot four and yep. built like a, a brick outhouse, and so I thought yes. that was probably a good career. And I was going to follow my sister's footsteps into university. She went to university, the first one in the family to go to university, but she only lasted for two weeks. Um, she was studying divinity at St Andrews. Gosh. That's... And after two weeks of divinity, she'd had enough. So she, so, so I didn't well, follow I think, her. But it's such a responsibility, though, isn't it, to choose something at that age and know that you're going to like it or not like it, yeah. or yeah, you know. Well, actually, the, and the more more seriously, uh, when I was younger, was unfortunately I lost both my parents when I was very young, and my dad died when I was nine, and my mum died when I was fourteen. So I went to stay with my unlucky, sister, isn't it? All right, and she was like twenty eight at the time. Right, um, and so that's why you would look to her to see what you might do. She was 28. She had a one-year-old son. Gosh. And a six-foot-four, 14-year-old turns up on a, on a doorstep. So... How amazing. And was she in Dundee as well? Yeah, she was in Dundee. So you didn't have to move yeah. area as I mean, well, but... Originally, I was incredible. thinking of pursuing English. So I quite enjoyed English, you know, at school. Uh, but my English teacher convinced me not to do that. He said, there's right. no jobs in English. Go and do engineering. That's funny, isn't it? My cookery teacher said, you do not want to be a school cookery teacher because you're only the second person I know that wanted to be in this class. Right, oh yeah. yeah. And so she said to me, you know, go and study home economics if you want, but don't think that you'll teach. And she also said, by the time you qualify, they won't be teaching in schools. And she was right. You know, they weren't teaching in schools by then, so... Uh, my thinking process back then was that I was okay at most of the subjects uh, at school and I decided to pursue physics and maths and that type of thing. So I did a, an engineering degree uh, at Edinburgh. Uh, I fancied moving out of Dundee, although if I'd taken a different path, at one stage I was going to study electronics and opto and optics uh-huh. at uni- the University of Dundee. So when I think back on these things, it just makes me laugh at how different you know life turns out. Um, yes. Making jam for the Queen has not a lot to do with optoelectronics, you know, but still have a good time. So that's yeah. that's the main thing. That's good. I know. And so then where was your first job then if you did engineering? Well, um, my, my first job actually was working in Boots when I was like 14. You remember yep. when Boots used to sell computer games? Well, no, I, I didn't think Well, They used that, to sell but, computer uh-huh. games. I mean, I, I must have been 14 or 15. And I had no idea about computer games because I was 14. 
the people in Boots thought, oh, boys knew know. about it. So I would just mm -hmm. read them in the morning, Saturday morning, read the names of their games and recommend those to the people who were coming in. You know, I had no idea whether they were good or bad. But anyway, uh, coming out of university, I joined uh, Unilever. So Unilever right. had this um, management program that yep. all of the, all of the ICIs uh -huh. and uh, Unilever and so on do these things. So I joined Unilever um, on a two-year kind of program. That was excellent. I mean, Unilever was a fantastic company. Really, really good at management training, you know, for graduates. Yep. They throw you in and you do six months of different jobs, you know, for two years. Yep. Uh, and then did that for, was it Unilever for four years working in animal feed business? So making right. cattle feed and pig feed and horse feed and all that stuff, which smelt of whiskey because a lot of the malt oh, was yes, used to make the feed. The so you'd, uh -huh. you'd be careful if you were working on the factory, you could get a heavy dose and fall over. Um, <laughs> but then my, my, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my lovely wife, Jenny, yes. uh, she was working down in London, and I'd been moving all over the country, Brighton, Selby, you know, Basingstoke, all over. Yeah. So I, either she was going to come and stay with me, or I was going to go to her. And, we, and Mars were offering uh, kind of manufacturing jobs right. uh, in Slough, so I joined Mars um, in Slough, originally in manufacturing as a shift manager. Um, and that was great fun. Again, what product were you making? Oh, Mars bars, of Mars course. Bars, Mars it bars, was, was yes. it? Because uh -huh. yeah. no, you always assume it's Mars bars, but it might not have been, no, of it course. Have been, it could have been whiskers, you know, yeah. <laughs> or Uncle Ben's. <laughs> but no, it was, right. it was in Slough, and we were doing Mars. At that time, Mars and Snickers were done on the same line. We'd well, never do that. No, in fact, <laughs> no, it, was Marathon, it was Marathon, I think, at the time. I bet you it's done a completely different place now. It's, it's done mm. in a different country. Yeah. The Mars bars are made in Slough, and Snickers, the peanut stuff's now made in an entirely different country in fact but in those days you would do mars bars say monday to friday and mm -hmm. snickers uh, at the weekend so we did mars maltesers bounty galaxy celebrations revels tracker bar uh, all those stuff as a shift manager so with mars you get thrown in yep. uh, with about 140 people on shift and you know you're, you're looking after them and they're all m much more experienced and wiser uh, than you are so that's that's a good learning experience uh -huh. um, doing a shift manager's job and you find that a lot of the people at mars come in as shift managers spend a couple of years doing that but uh, yeah so yeah so mars as a shift manager was a great job did that for a couple of years then moved into marketing uh, sales and marketing at mars doing category management and sales Brilliant. ostensibly for a year secondment but i really enjoyed it so i ended up kind of making a career in the sales side of things I was at Mars for like 13 years. So, you know, I really enjoyed that. Really great company. Yeah. And I met a lot of people who I, you know, I still keep in touch with all the time. Uh, they're all over the industry now. And then joined Tiptree 14 years ago. 14 years ago this Is month. Is that how long it yeah, was? Yeah. Well, I can remember when you went there and it doesn't seem like that long ago. No, it, it doesn't seem like that to me either. So, <laughs> my uh, my chairman, Walter, you might have met Walter. Uh -huh. Yes, uh -huh. Walter Scott. He asks my wife... Um, you know, what, what Scott think of working here? And she said to me, this is like when I first started, and she said to him that he gets up in the morning and skips into work because he's so excited. And I think I still do because Isn't it's just brilliant? like, it's just it's a lovely magic fun. You know? Yeah. Really enjoy it. And yeah. a really broad range of things now. I mean, you've really widened it out under your yeah. time. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, I mean, I think the kind of the culture and the history and the family feel of it all yes. is still really strong. And the things that we've kind of done more recently are more on the innovation side, product innovation. So you've got the, the, all of the gins and the rums and the vodkas and the mayonnaise 
and the tomato ketchup. But also, like if you look at the farm, yes. although the farm is very traditional, uh, there's a lot of quite high-tech modern thinking. So we've got a new growing system, which is a bit like the hanging gardens of Babylon, yes. where the strawberries are hanging the strawberries. from the ceiling and they go up so- and down uh, when you pick them. And at the moment, we're working with the university to develop uh, two things, uh, drones that will fly around the crops and identify disease and stop it. Brilliant. And also fruit pickers, like robotic fruit yes. pickers. Because at the moment, we have an army of fruit pickers. Yep. Um, and we're working with the university to develop uh, a robotic fruit picking system. Gosh. But at the moment, it's picking fruit at the rate of one strawberry per year. So that's not... Uh, <laughs> Perhaps not, not. Not particularly good at the minute. But no, but different, yeah. But, you know, we're hope, we like to be, you know, looking at new ways of doing things um, all the time. So That's brilliant, isn't it? Gosh, what a, what a business, I know. What's your favourite product that you make? What do you like for different reasons? What's your, what's your favourite thing to smell when you're walking in and out of uh, the factory or... Yeah, so it's funny you say that because like every morning you drive up into the into the car park, and as soon as you step out of the car, you can tell whether it's like in February it'll be like Seville orange marmalade. I know. I was going to say I can remember at this time of year being there and the smell of oranges. It's magic. It's amazing. And also lime marmalade just smells fantastic when it's cooking, and it makes a very nice uh, mojito, which is a nice little tip. Not not bad on toast. An excellent mojito. but no, my like my favourite product would have to be a little scarlet, you know, a little scarlet yes. strawberry jam. It's yeah. we're the only people in the world that make that, and it's also I love it. as close. I mean, I think all your jams are very like what you remember getting at home when yeah. my mum would have made jam. But that little scarlet really is like something that somebody has just made half a dozen jars of and given you one of. I mean, it pretty much is. I mean, you've you've been to the factory. If people could see our factory, they wouldn't believe how small like the boiling pans are. They're not much bigger than a a big kitchen pan, really. A huge kitchen pan. Yeah, exactly. And we've got about 14 of those going at the same time. Um, So it's about 70 kilograms in a batch, which is hardly anything. You know, we think it gives the best jam that way. So yep. yeah, but that's certainly sweet. little scarlet would be the one I want to choose. Close, close second would be mulberry, mulberry jelly. Uh-huh. Oh, mulberry Which jelly again is an unusual Very thing nice. nowadays, isn't it? To to get and a few years ago you planted more mulberry trees, didn't you? We did. Yes. So we've got a dozen. We've got a dozen mulberry trees at Tiptree. Now those mulberry trees are about 150 years old now, yep. so they still give good mulberries, but they're getting a little bit old. So we planted some new mulberries just before I joined. So it must be about 15 years ago. And they'll be ready in about another 25 years. So So. uh, that's what I love about that. So isn't that just, I mean, that is forward thinking (laughs) because you have to invest. Yeah. And, you know, and it's that somebody once said to me about gardening. Gardening is for people who believe in the future. And it's true because anything you plant is a while ahead yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. And But, I mean, that really is. And I've read recently, though, that there are mulberry trees now that fruit much sooner than that or they've they've made some kind of hybrid or... Yeah, I mean, they may well have done, but we, we've gone for the kind of traditional, yep. traditional mulberries of the type that we've already, already got there. The one thing that brings it home to me, it's funny you say that, is I, I've been lucky enough that like every day at lunchtime I go for a, like an hour's walk all around yes. the fields. I've been doing it since um, the lockdown, really. And it's fantastic. And there's one particular field where when I first joined, we'd planted little saplings. We have a whole focus on the environment all around the yes. farm. And yep. we planted dozens and dozens or hundreds of uh, indigenous trees. 
Right. And so 15, 14 years ago, they were tiny little saplings. And you go past now, and it's like a forest, you know. So you really, fantastic, the long-term, though. like the long-term nature of things really, really comes yeah. No, that's amazing, isn't it? And on the savoury side, what's your favourite product? We have to... My, my favourite product is a product that we made for a laugh um, because Simon Dungworth, you might have met Simon, he's our sales manager. He's been yes. with us oh, 12 years. And, he's new then. <laughs> oh, he's new. He's, he's, still, he's, he's only been there 12 years. He's doing his apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think he might get through, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, he a few years back, he um, we do this tomato ketchup that people love and he was getting people saying to him, can you do like a spicy version of that? We were like a spicy version. Okay, okay, okay. And he came up with the idea of uh, of a spicy tomato ketchup and what we're going to call this thing. So we called it quite hot tomato ketchup, and I just love it because people you know people taste it and I they say how hot is it and you say oh it's quite hot. <laughs> quite hot. <laughs> so it's actually called quite hot tomato ketchup and it's That's magic, brilliant. really nice. Best thing for that is a bacon sandwich. You know, big thick bloomers yeah. with bacon and eggs and quite hot tomato ketchup. Magic stuff. That sounds good. Need to add that one to my my shopping list. Yeah. And just, you know, how you've moved with the times within the business. Obviously, there are lots of innovations. I mean, I love that you do all the little personalised pots that people use for weddings and and gifting to people and things. And you do a lot of personalisation at Christmas time and Mother's Day and different things too, don't you? How... How did that come about? That that's come about much more in the last sort of five years or so, particularly with online. When, when things yeah. have gone online, people can sit at home and put in their messages. We mm-hmm. do have um, the final say on appropriate messages, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Is we've that had, a problem? We've, we've had, well, we've really? had a couple of uh, not very tasteful messages. We've had to turn down, but anyway, most of them are very appropriate. And it's great. So we've we've had people, you know, um, propose mm-hmm. at breakfast time on on the back of a tip tree jam jar. You know, you will you uh, marry me? Is on the back of the jam jar, and uh, and then you have their wedding, and you have little wedding favors with a tip tree on the back. You know, it's it's, it's lovely, great. isn't it, to follow through like that? Ah, uh-huh, that's nice. I mean, we like to do things of that nature. So last week, uh, Liz, who's our marketing manager, yep. she saw in the paper that. Um, there was a lady, a local lady up in Colchester, who was 104. It was her 104th birthday. Gosh. So she just, she just saw it in the newspaper and popped up and gave her a nice uh, gift pack just to celebrate her birthday. And, you know, she was super happy. And yeah. we're still kind of small enough that we can, that you can, we can do things do like that. do those kind of things. Yeah, That's yeah, lovely, yeah. It's not like it? a, it's a lovely much, thing. Yeah, it's a kind of personal feel to it. So. And... Modern things, what's kind of new that you're doing that you wouldn't have believed you would have been making ten years ago, even? Well, I mean, the fact the first gin. thing is, is the first thing is all the alcohol <laughs> because way yeah. back in, way back in the midst of the past, the the Wilkin family, some of the Wilkin family were, were um, like teetotalers. You know, they yeah. didn't have alcohol, but that was about hundred years ago. So now we're we're all right doing doing the alcohol. I think some of the products that we do in our gift we've got 10 tea rooms all around Essex as well so we have a uh, tea rooms and one in Suff- Suff- uh, Suffolk actually Suffolk. Too. but in those um, tea rooms and so on we sell fruit scented candles which are all based on the jam and the marmalade and the smells the you lemon get. curd the one. lemon curd magic oh, yeah is a, it makes you hungry oh yeah it don't eat it it's not edible butter. no 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 but the smell of it is amazing uh-huh 
buttery and lemony. Yeah, that, the, the lemon cordon is my favourite too. Orange and tangerine are really nice as well. So we do yep. candles there and we do um, clothing, like aprons yes. and tea towels aprons and all this sort of thing, gift, things, the gift uh-huh. products. So we've, yep. I mean, it's not a big part of the business, but it is kind of fun. Oh. The people who are coming around our tea rooms, particularly Christmas time and Mother's Day, you know, they, they like to have, they buy some jam and some gift packs and they wanted to get some homewares too. So that's that's worked out quite well. And, and am I not right that at one point the tea rooms were nearly selling as much gin as they were um, well, tea, afternoon teas? Well, <laughs> I, I couldn't possibly comment on um, <laughs> the alcohol sales in Chelmsford. But yeah, yes, right. but, it, no, but it's exceptional. It's, that's a very serious, and it is a serious point. We've got a load of, load of tea rooms and they're all quite different. Some of them are yes. um, like on the water. Uh, yes. On the beach, really, in the east coast, very touristy areas and areas. things. Yeah, and you get families on a day out and have picnics and so on. And others, I like- was at. Um, I went for a walk recently around the area of the Constable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, that's Essex Rose. So there's a tea room there. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's beautiful. So that tea room was 17th century originally, and it looks it. No, it doesn't look it. It's all lovely, but, <laughs> but that would be a place full of. People who want to go walking around Constable yeah, Country. That's then right. you've got Bond Street, uh, yep. our tea room in the middle of Chelmsford in Bond Street. Tremendously next to John contemporary. Lewis. Yeah, that's very yeah. contemporary. And the sales in Bond Street at Christmas time is 80% retail, 20% tea room because so many people are buying uh, alcohol, actually, lots of alcohol, are lots of Coming jam in gift there packs. to pick things up. Yeah. yeah. So we're always, I mean, we opened a bar. I don't know if you know that, but we opened yes. a, a pop up gin bar. In Phoenix, in, in Colchester. Phoenix, in Colchester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're always, and we've got a bus, we've got a double-decker bus, where we cut the roof off the bus and it goes up yep. on a, like a canopy. And upstairs is a tea room, cocktail bar, and downstairs mm-hmm. we serve, you know, um, at festivals and so on. I was going to say that's for festivals and things, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, we took it, it was the, the last, just for Christmas, we went to Downing Street, number 10 Downing Street, and they had a celebration of um, British kind of exporting. So they invited right. all the ambassadors and stuff. You're on a dodgy ground now. It was wasn't that a party. A celebration? It wasn't was a party. Was that a party? It was that a, a business meeting? It was a business meeting. It was clearly a business <laughs> meeting, but we were drinking gin and eating cream teas, you know, so. Oh, well, I, I hope it, you're not on that list of people that are being investigated. That I couldn't Scott. possibly say. It would be redacted. <laughs> but, no, so, you know, the thing about, one of the things I really like uh, working here is that anybody can have, like, a really good idea or mm-hmm. actually, sometimes a bad idea, <laughs> and but we try it. try it. We'll give it a go, and we'll see what happens. And you know, you, you, I love that about well, the business well. that you're always listening, and you'll always think about something else and something different. And it's a good way to be. And as you say, you're still small enough that people within the business can come up with an idea and just make it happen on the day but, and things. Yeah. There's not all the red tape. Yeah. That, that there would be in, in some businesses of your size. How many countries do you export to? Well, around about 70 now. So, that's amazing. I mean, it? that's again, oh. that's completely changed in the last couple of years. Um, we export to about 70 countries and we're taking on new countries all the time. So, this just this month, we've uh, sorry, last month, January, we uh, started selling into Ghana. We never sold to Ghana before, no. but even with the lockdown and COVID and stuff, you know we're still following up leads. So you got new two. Um, well, actually, we got Philippine, who leads our export team mm-hmm. with Mariana, and yes. Lisa does all the logistics. I mean, they've had a nightmare of two years of with all the of Brexit, lots of lots and lots of extra administration on the Brexit yep. side. But you know, we're gradually getting through that. And what they've tried to do is to 
like work with all of our distribution partners to help them through it. Yep. You know, and yep. you know, it's been a really difficult effort, but I think we're we're getting there. I, um, I love when I go into Spanish supermarket at Christmas time and things, and there's all your your products sat there in Corted Inglés yep. stores and things. So, yeah. yeah, no, there are some there are some great things like that, aren't there? It's lovely. It's great, it's, and it's funny because it's thought of as uh such a British thing that people want it when they're away. It's one of those things that people miss, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, every every day I'll get photographs on Instagram or you know letters sent photographs yeah. uh, from all over, from Japan, China, you know, Kazakhstan. It's it's excellent. And when I'm out yes. and about, I mean, I haven't been out abroad for a couple of years now, but mm-hmm. there's nothing better. You're in the middle of China, not in a, like a tier two city in China. Yeah. And you're going to a coffee shop. And I remember they had a, a 310 bottle of mustard sauce with honey. I mean, you, you can't find that product in Britain. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> and nobody lists that really. But what on earth no. it was doing in China, I'm really, in China, I was really impressed. That's amazing. Yeah. That is good. But, you know, it's really I, good. I mean, we've just had massive orders uh, for the Middle East because there's the, the exhibition, you know, the expo. The big expo. The big expo. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were some really very serious orders coming in just yesterday um, in preparation for all of that. So it's all, you know, it's, amazing, it's, all, it's it? good. Still plenty of opportunities. And um, what about honey and things? Because that's something that you do a lot of as well and, we're kind of doing English honey and regional honeys and things before other people had thought about that, wouldn't you? And, and I know you've sort of led the way on setting standards for testing and things and honey. and Yeah, a lot of that was to do with Manuka honey. So um, we got into honey kind of seriously about 12 years ago, both in the little mini jars you see in the hotels and yeah. also in the bigger jars. The Manuka honey is the one that was. we needed to be very clear on the provenance of it. So we get that in from New Zealand in bulk, and then we fill it. We've got a honey facility at Tiptree, which we built 10 years ago. So basically, honey comes in in barrels from yep. as far afield as New Zealand or Argentina or Spain, and also from the fields, like from the fields at Tiptree and the fields in Essex, because uh, the bees pollinate, you know, pollinate yeah. their farm. So anyway, so yeah, we make a whole load of honeys. They're all tested we test them ourselves, and then we send them off independent testing. And we do a nice range of English honeys, um, world honeys. And, you know, it's definitely a growing area. It's your English honeys that I love yeah. because they're, they're just the, the flavours and things. Well, it's English borage. You think about English honey, the, 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 yeah. the challenging thing is to keep them liquid because a lot of... Because they crystallise yeah, a lot faster. Yeah, it's the oilseed rape. Yeah. You know the oilseed rape? Is that what it is? That, is that what does it? Yeah, all the oilseed rape that you see around England. Uh, mm. If the pollen from that causes honey to crystallise quite quickly, so you have to be mm. in an area where there's not much honey. There's no that, and we use which borage. Is quite tricky, isn't yeah. it? Uh-huh. Borage makes a very nice clear honey. So yeah, no, these are these are lovely. So we we've dealt with how you how you came into food and drink, which is a great blessing for us because it wasn't uh, intentional. That wasn't how you started out. What about you and your management style and and how you are how do you think what do you think people think about you when they meet you what do you hope they think about you when you meet you people think who the hell is that big scottish bloke is what they <laughs> what's prob- he doing probably down think yeah because i have you may have noticed that i've got uh my accent is toned down because i've been living in england for like let me think 30 years 30 years you, yeah you think that until you get on the phone to a call centre well, exactly. and they tell you they can't understand you, yeah. but yeah. But I mean that's um, yeah. I mean that's that's physically what, what they would yes. see. But the, when, whenever we're putting out um, 
an advert for anybody, like Simon, my uh, colleague and friend Simon, what we're looking yes. for is a trustworthy individual of impeccable character and rare talent. And that's what we're trying to recruit all the time. So I'm, I try and demonstrate as much of that, you know, as I can when I when I meet people. Because, yep. you know, you want to be friendly with people, trustworthy, really. And, that, 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 and that's, that's what you want. Hopefully wise. You know, I've got the wisdom of years now, so that's all right. Mm. <laughs> but Somebody and, said to me recently, how do you know as much as, or how do you may, know as many folk? Are? And I said, I'm older. Yeah. And I'm perfectly proud of it because you can't, there's no shortcut to that, you know. I know but, but the beautiful thing is when, I mean, my basic objective in life is to do as little as I can get away with. So you have a good team of people around you and they're coming up with ideas and doing all the work and thinking about things and all that. And the best times are when, you know, the guy, the team of are doing stuff and you see people yes. developing you know, all the time. I mean, it's really, in tip tree, we've got people, people basically stay forever a lot of the time. You know, they, they join. With people joining, you've got Megan, who's now the sales office manager, looking after all, anything to do with sales and customer service. She looks after yep. that. And she joined uh, 12 years ago as like a part-time assistant office worker, you know? And like the tea room, the tea room managers are mostly people who started as waitresses. So... And then you get their families in oh. too, don't you? I mean, you do that. You very often get people... Have to be very careful what you say in the canteen. <laughs> you, you're, you're, Everyone's related. Yes, you're almost always talking to the first cousin of someone. You know, that's... Uh, <laughs> but no, I but mean, that's you want great, to, I think you want to encourage people. It's like an inclusive thing. You want to encourage people to, you know, see how they feel about things, give ideas in, you know, and challenge things. One of the biggest... When I first joined the business, I thought we had a really strong culture but not much rigor. You know, there's a thing, there's right. a book. One of the books I really like is um, Good to Great by uh, yes. Jim Collins. It's an old book, but and I'm an old bloke, so that's fine. Anyway, the, good, and he talks about um, culture and rigor. And mm-hmm. we're really strong in culture, but not so good on rigor. And people didn't like challenging. So we tried to introduce a bit more, like, uh, not because they were, because a bit too polite, or that it's been a bit more hierarchical. So we're trying to make it a bit more, uh, a bit flatter. And for yep. people to be happy to, come up with ideas why, 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 why have we always that? done it that way why are we doing and, that uh-huh. why are we doing this why are we doing that now there is one blog and no, no names no pack drill who does that a little bit much <laughs> <laughs> but we all know Ian there's always one of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, dear. but yeah you know but um, on, on that too I mean just on, on I mean you have some long service awards and things within your business that are amazing as well because a lot of people do join young and and stay with you right the way through. And I mean, your previous managing director had started driving tractors on a Saturday. Exactly, that was Ian. Just yeah, Ian carried he, on yeah. the whole way through. He, he came for a part time job of tractor driving. He did have a break of two years, then he came back. <laughs> but David Cross is the best example. David Cross, he had his sixty year, sixty year, you know, Jeez. service uh, like last year. I mean, I wonder what he used to do. I actually, I'm not. I mean. Don't quote me on this, and if you, if if anyone hears this, I'm going to disavow it. But I think he used to <laughs> climb into the old steam boilers to clean the insides of the steam boilers. Jeez. Aged, aged like fourteen, you know. Jeez, like you wouldn't get, That's you wouldn't do that nowadays. But anyway, no, so mercifully he's, you wouldn't. Yes, right? he he's been there for so what, sixty years, years, and we've got you know quite a, quite a number of people with fifty years and forty years. But actually, one of the things we did last year, we did a voluntary redundancy 
So one because of the COVID lockdowns and all mm-hmm. that, we just had too many people for the demand because our demand was mm-hmm. kind of halved. So for the first time ever, we did a voluntary redundancy package. And that actually worked you know, pretty well. We had about 35 people from all walks of the business who mm-hmm. took advantage of it, you know. So they took, they were all getting towards the end of their time. Their service time. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And so we, oh, I mean, you can retire whenever you want nowadays, but they were getting towards yeah. wanting to retire. Uh, yeah. So they took a voluntary package. So that worked, that worked out quite well, yeah. Now we're struggling to recruit, actually, but that's another that's another story. And you offer a lot of people accommodation too, don't you? I mean, you do have a... Um, almost like a housing association. We do. I mean, we've <laughs> we've got about um, about ninety five houses all around the farm. So we've got about a nine hundred acre farm. We've got a few like big houses. So Peter Wilkin, mm-hmm. Peter Wilkin is was the chairman for thirty years, and he um, he is now on a, a non exec. So he's still mm-hmm. uh, in the business. Involved. He still comes to board mm-hmm. meetings. We still talk to him about you know any big decisions. Uh, he's in Tipsy Hall. And there's yes. a few you know large properties we've got a load of houses that are various sizes kind of old houses that the staff stay mm-hmm. in but then more recently uh we had another dozen houses built for mm-hmm. staff so we, overall we, mostly the people from the factory or the offices in the tier rooms and they pay a reduced rent versus the, the kind of the going but rate. it just means that you can attract people to the area who might not be from yeah, the area so yeah. you can get the the skills and things that you need to. Uh-huh. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's great. And then you had some retirement homes as well. Or we housing, did. is we that did. right? Yes. We did. So this was about five years ago. Um, we had a situation where some of the larger, like the three and four bed houses, had uh, single uh, like retirees in them, either yes. two, one or two retirees, and they were kind of rattling around. And so we built a dozen new bungalows yep. and the retirees went into the bungalows. It's, it's not exactly like serviced, but it's a... No, it's a, no it's, but, it, it's, but it was well designed, yeah, well designed. with them in mind, wasn't it? was and, a lot, and park and stuff like that. So yeah. they moved into those bungalows. And hoses so they could wash their cars. I remember def- one of them telling me very excitedly. Def- yeah. that, that'll be Angela. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then so the families who <laughs> we needed accommodation, they moved into them. And again, That's a lot great. of them, a lot of them are related. A lot of the people are related, so it's very old. That's it's very old, um, old school. I was going to say old fashioned. I don't know if it's old fashioned, it's but it's um, very no. traditional. It's, it's just a very nice culture. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's a great thing. So, role models, right from when you started at Boots, who who showed you the way and and stuck in your mind as either. Now, there's a, a wee caveat here. If it's that you saw what they did and thought it was good and thought you might bring some of that with you, you're allowed to say their name. If you learned from something, somebody, something that you would never, ever want to have happen to you again, then we just see <laughs> what you learned. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, fair, that, that, that's fair enough. I mean, kind of like my overarching role model, I mentioned it earlier, is my sister, which no one will know unless they've no. been arrested by no, no. But she's, um, because, you know, she had 30, joined the police, went, did it, tried to do a degree in divinity, hated it, decided to leave, joined the police at 18, did 30 years in the police, left at 48. And since then, she has been a masseuse, an animal psychic, a maronotherapist, a colour psychic, an upholsterer, ran a cleaning business. She's got the British Empire medal, you know, just a crazy, and she's very, Uh very energetic. And very dynamic, uh, very dynamic and very inspirational. Time. So that's you know that's my that's a nice role model. person to have as a role model. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 
quirky wise, there's a bloke called Colin Saul, and he was the he was the mill manager at BOCM Silcock Animal Feeds Mill when I was first, you know, uh, graduate. At Unilever. Yeah, Unilever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like a salt of the earth character yep. with a big droopy moustache. The Yorkshireman is in Selby, yeah. so he's the Yorkshireman uh-huh. with a big droopy moustache. Quite a short guy, but super. Um, super good with his people, you know. I was just going to so, say people skills, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. what you remember people for, definitely. So he was brilliant at um, treating people really well, from like the chairman to you know every part time every single and person. Yeah, and I think that was really important. I think, and mm-hmm. something that I think about sometimes is about treating people, treating people well doesn't necessarily mean treating them exactly the same. This is a, a no. big learning point for There's me. There's different things yes. for different people, isn't there? It, it, may, it yeah. seems obvious. It seems obvious, right? But there was a stage in my career where I was thinking, like, you were kind of trained that you had to treat everyone the same. The same. In order to be equal. But I totally don't agree with that now. And I, no. I've, I've thought about this a bit. I think you need to treat everyone as an individual and they'll all have, like, a unique way. The things that all, yes. you know. And that's that's much more important than treat. Well, you know, you need to do things fairly, but yes. not exactly the same. And that, that no. was a big learning point for me. And different people need different amounts of input. And yeah. other folk like to be left on their own exactly. and to get on with things. And uh-huh. There's so a bloke, I, very... I, there's another bloke that I'd like to mention, but I just can't remember uh-huh. what the hell his surname was. It, it doesn't, it's, <laughs> it, it's doing my nothing, but his name was Duncan. And he was my manager at uh, Mars when I moved from, uh-huh. from, when I moved from manufacturing into sales. Like, I thought he was amazing. I thought he was kind of mm-hmm. God. Because, and uh, what was it that was so amazing about He was about? unbelievably smart. Right. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was very laconic yep. to the extent he would fall asleep quite often in meetings. He just got, he just fell asleep. You know, you have to kick him yeah. to keep him awake. But it, it, it always impressed me that you, you'd be going to see a customer, as in sales now, so you'd be going to see a, a big customer and like five minutes before the meeting, he would rock up he'd spend five minutes telling him what was going on and he'd go to the meeting as if he was intimately aware of every single detail that was happening. Isn't that wonderful? And I thought, how on earth does he do this? He just, he's only there for five minutes. How does he do this? Uh-huh. And I, then I was, I was talking to him about it and, you know, I think as you get, as you go up the, the hierarchy of things, you realise that there's only a few fundamental truths, really. And when the big bosses are speaking to each other, it's not really about the detail of the things that are going on. No. It's all about the principles of what you're doing with the business. And I think that was a, that's, that's really. And that's uh, how he could summarize it all. Yeah. And he just talked about the things he wanted to talk about, you know, which were yep. to do with the core principles of what was going on, you know, not any yep. level of detail. Um, and I thought, I thought he was fantastic. And I was so fantastic. I can't remember what his surname was. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, It'll come back to you. Right. I know. We once, years and years ago, I was working with a photographer once and we were making a, an image that had tomatoes in it. And he said, what's that green bit in the middle called? None of us could remember. And about 11 o'clock that night, my phone rang and a voice just said, Calyx. Oh, yeah. And put the phone down. Yeah, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, he's, and, you know, it was just because it had been annoying us all, all day, what that bit was. Nowadays, you would Google yeah. what is the green bit in a tomato called. Yeah. But, well, it's funny enough, that's yeah. also the green bit in a strawberry. You know, the top of, of a strawberry course, that you pull yes, out. that's right. Know, you haul it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Ah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And it does the same job. I mean, it connects it to the plant, so I suppose it makes sense that it is yeah. the same bit. Um, this is possibly a tip tree answer, or it might not be. 
Too much of what is never enough. Now, it can be food, but it might be sleep or what is it that you always want more of and love so much? That- uh, talent. Talented people. You can right. never have enough talented people. Talented people. Yeah. That's, so that's you, a good one. You, know, you want to have a lot of talent. And what I've been trying to do here is to bring in people either for the long term or sometimes for the short term. You know, you, yep. you've got a couple of Ting Ting who was with us for a couple of years and Susanna was with us for a couple of years. And then they, we knew they'd be here for a couple of years. They're super smart and developing their careers. Hopefully they had, a, you know, they learned stuff when they're with us and then they move on sure. to, to, you know, around the world actually to do different things. But I think you want to be recruiting talent uh, that are going to take the business forward. So you can never Thanks. have enough, never have enough talent. Talent. The, other, the other thing is Simon, again, Simon comes up again. He's got a phrase, which is one cup of tea is never enough, but two cups is one too many. <laughs> I don't know what it means. So he needs it's... a half mug. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny, isn't it? Um, what have you done that when you look back, you're surprised you did? Because it seems like it was way outside your comfort zone. What's your your thing that you think really pushed you beyond where you thought you would have been happy? Well, I, I kind of often have out of body experiences at Tiptree because I, I have to pinch myself and think what. what what, what am I doing here, you know? So there was a, <laughs> we were on a, uh, an export mission to Japan. Um, it was about a dozen, about 20 British companies all going to Japan to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, food in, yep. in Tokyo. So I arrive off the plane, sort of red-eyed, very tired, slightly hungover even perhaps, and, and I get in a taxi. <laughs> I must Never. have been on, I arrived about 6 o'clock in the, af- in the afternoon. And right. at 8 o'clock, there was the big ceremony thing. And my Japanese friend said, Scott, you're doing the speech. I'm like, what? Hey? So, so I'm, all right, okay. So, like, i got two hours to think about a speech to do to all of these Japanese people, ambassadors and export people on behalf of all the British yes. delegation. I'm thinking, what? So, I mean, it was all right. It was a short speech. Uh-huh. So that was a good thing. But I went, all right. But the best, the thing I remember most about that night was they had, um, after the speeches and all that, they had a, a Japanese Beatles. So it was the Beatles, but they were, uh, you know, Japanese uh-huh. version. People. Uh, uh-huh. And we were all dancing to the Beatles songs, but we, but they were all dancing in like 1920s style. It was all, you know, holding holding each other in a pose and dancing around. And because I was oh, six foot funny. four, I was very popular. And it's just a, <laughs> just a very bizarre, you know, you what go from, an evening, you, eh? you turn up in Japan, you think, what am I going to do? Oh, you're doing a speech. Okay, and now you're dancing to the Beatles. And you think, okay, right, fair enough. Classic style dancing to me. Yeah. That's amazing. Um. What have you learned about yourself that you wish you'd known earlier on? What's the thing that you maybe just took for granted? You think everybody can do it, and then you realise later on it's something that you're quite good at? Or I don't know. I, I think it's back to the point about everyone's different. So I think that mm-hmm. I was a big fan. Unilever and Mars both did a lot of uh, like insights. I don't know. I think insights yeah. is a proprietary brand. Like Mars Briggs type stuff, you know, the Mars Briggs type indicator. I think that's really important. I wish you taught that at school because... Yes. Um, to understand who you are. Yeah, uh-huh. if you can get an insight into what you're about and how other people are completely different and the way you think is different to how other people think, it's really, really useful. I have just um, done this thing called the Cambridge Code. We're going to run a, a mastermind group and we used to use a thing that Gallup did called Strengths Finder. Oh, yeah, I know that, that one. That yeah, shows I know that you what you're good at. Yeah, yeah. And this is... Another version, but it's much more holistic. So it's about 
what's good about you at home, what's yeah. everywhere. And so it's really insightful. And you buy the book, you get a wee code in the back, you use the code, and then you can use the book to understand it more. But yeah. I, th- I think that's great because it highlights stuff for you that, again, you probably think everybody can do that. And it's quite funny when you see it written down, you think, oh, is that something that... Yeah. I think it's about understanding the, the ability to better understand each other. I think is is, yeah. is, 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 is the super important thing. And yourself too, yeah. and yeah, know what exactly, your own strengths exactly that, are. Because yeah. I think often we can pick out our faults faster than we can our strengths too. Sometimes. What is the best thing that you have eaten recently? Well, that was very obviously a poke bowl. So my wife and oh, I right, made a poke yeah. bowl on Saturday night, um, which was gyoza, prawn and chicken gyoza in a broth with sriracha sauce. Uh, with carrots and spring onions and uh, rice noodles. Absolutely fantastic. Fish sauce, bit of soy sauce. That sounds good. And we learned that from our daughter, Kate. So our daughter, Kate, is at university at the minute, and she brings back all these magical recipes. That And so a poke bowl was just brilliant. Yeah, that is a nice thing. Trying, it's a lovely, fresh thing too. It's delicious. I'm desperate yeah. trying to think how I could introduce a tip tree element to that, but I failed. But it's the and truth. <laughs> and <laughs> our tip tree bowl. not making sriracha, no? Oh, actually, we do make a sriracha mayonnaise. But that's good. That's good. No, no. What's the the most recent thing you've read? Business book, personal book, or no. just Rainbow Warrior? Novel? I just I just read right. Rainbow Warrior. It's um, Francois Pienaar. So Francois Pienaar was the captain of South Africa uh, rugby yep. back in when they won the World Cup in nineteen ninety five, and he played for Saracens. He was a coach of Saracens. So I was reading Rainbow Warrior, his um, autobiography. His autobiography. Yeah, yeah, it's an old one, but um, really good. It's all about, you know, meeting Nelson Mandela and how we got the team together and all that. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. I like my rugby. That's it's fantastic. like a cup on Saturday, so that's something to look forward to. Yes, and fortunately we're allowed crowds back in yes. games, eh? That would have been a strange one if we hadn't been able to do that. Um, if you were going to a desert island... And you were going to take either three foods or three pieces of food equipment with you, or a combination. What would you have to have? I think two bits of equipment. I'd take a very sharp knife because yes. a very sharp knife is like super useful on a desert island. I imagine. I take a cooking pot, yes. a cooking pot, and I take a jar of tip tree, a little scarlet strawberry jam. No, <laughs> perfect. Because I want a nice Good. breakfast on the desert island. I've, I've, we've had some amazing inspirations on those and folks saying well if if you were coming too then you could take that bit and I could oh, yeah. take this bit and things you know I think we all, we all there's so much that we all do that you, you just to limit it to three things is quite a challenge I think a sharp knife is the number one thing for sure I think That's you're right yeah I know because I mean salt and things like that you know you'll yeah. get you'll get it out of the water but um, but a sharp knife without that I think you're you're going to be quite stuck aren't you cooking pot too very good um, we had one person who wanted to take some piece of equipment so he could make his own alcohol. Oh, yeah. There was like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a, sounds good. a yeah. measurement meter or yeah. that, and I think, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought. So it's always always insightful. But thank you very much. That's oh, yeah. been really Pleasure. good fun, and that's flown by. Um, but what about thank, yeah. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank you very, very much for doing that. That's that's super. And, and see you soon. Nice to see you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. 
Please leave a comment to let us know what you've enjoyed or connect to us on social media at Jane Milton Food. If you found it interesting, please share the details with other food businesses you know. We always love meeting new food businesses. See you next episode.